Well, we're on our series, No More Fear, and I have my partner of life with me tonight. We're going to bring the word and talk the word, and, and um, you know, when, when God, as a, as a leader, as a pastor, and the times, the time that I spend, and I, you know, when I was a young pastor, I didn't spend all this time praying, but I spend a lot of time praying for you and just to know the heart of God. David sought the Lord, and he believed that God heard him, and he was delivered of all of his fears. That's our foundational scripture we're talking about. And as you seek the Lord, and you believe God hears you, then there are things that he speaks to you, and things that he wants done, and you have to do it his way. The more, the more we've walked, the more we've seen through the years, we have to do it God's way. I mean, it's, it, it's not trying to figure it out your way. It's, it's hearing from him and then doing that way. And, um, uh, you know, I have to just say in, in over the last 30 years, <clears throat> I've never, I have to say, let's see, because I don't want to exaggerate, and I may have thought this some other time and I've forgotten about it, but there's not, there's not been anything else as strong or any stronger on my heart to share than what we've been talking about now since I think it was the, it was maybe the 10th of April that we've been on the series, No More Fear. And you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm realizing, I'm seeing this more and more in life that you, you cannot operate in life and be effective in life when you're afraid. But, you know, there, there are, there are evident, there, there are things that, that, you know, if somebody's going to be afraid of something, there are things that, that people are afraid of. Like if somebody's going to be afraid of something, something, some well-known thing to be afraid of would like be afraid of the dark. Somebody, you heard of people being afraid of the dark. Maybe somebody's afraid that somebody's going to hurt them or, you know, they, they, they've heard, well, you know, you don't go to this country or, or you don't go to this city or that side of the city because on that side of the city, there's bad things that happen. There's gang violence, there's this or whatever. And so people are afraid of things like that. So there's, there's things to be afraid of that are evident but there's a lot that people are afraid of that they don't even identify as fear. And, and I like, and, I, and I've been talking about this a lot, and we're going to discuss it tonight, is that fear and dread go hand in hand. And there's a scripture that we've read out of, uh, I, I mentioned that scripture in, in uh, Psalm 34. We'll look at it again in a moment. But... <clears throat> Becky and I were talking today about these two passages of Scripture. I want to just pull this up. But the other one, it was, it was the, the one I read a minute ago was Psalm 34, but then the other one that we have read uh, countless times uh, during this series is um, Job 3.25. And when we were looking at it today, it was, it was interesting that we saw that in, in, in Psalm 34, 4, David said, I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me of all my fear. Now, 
That means David was in a lot of fear. He, he didn't just say of this fearful situation. He said, all my fear. So David had been in a lot of fear. And what, what have we talked about uh, over the last couple of months? We've talked about that fear is generational. This verse of scripture in Job 3, 25, it says, For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. So here we have David who sought the Lord and was delivered of his fear. We see Job here who's not seeking the Lord but giving in to the fear. Both of them are generational. I'm telling you right now, whether you think you do or not, you have fear in your life that is generational. It, it's from where you came from. If nothing else, you were born into a fear-filled world. The world we live in is full of fear. And you were born into that. So in the beginning was fear of your life in, 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 around you. I'm not saying that, you're, you know, that your parents put fear on you. A lot of parents have you know, that in, in ways that they weren't even taught or, or they knew anything about. They, they put fear on their children. But Job wasn't in fear because bad things had happened to him. What... Job feared generationally from the beginning, stayed with him, and he didn't get free of it. And what happened is he created, there was this dread, these things that he dreaded. Now, I'm going to ask you this question. I want you to raise your hand if you can think of something. How many have ever made this statement out of their mouth? I just dread doing that. Anybody ever said that? Okay. I mean, most everybody in here. Rest of your line, so you know. <clears throat> no, but everybody's dreaded something. And tonight we're going to talk about how to get liberated from allowing dread to have any place. We dread because we give it place. We may say that, oh man, I just I can I just dread going to this thing or that thing. Anybody ever had to go to down to the I don't know, courthouse for something, and you had to go stand before a judge. Oh, man, I just dread it. Well, what's the opposite of that? Not dreading it? How do you not dread it? By what you say. Yeah. Hmm? You know what? I have the potential to dread this. It could be an ugly situation, but Father, today I thank you that you live in me. I trust you, and today I have favor in this situation. These kind of words begin to build you up and, and get you out of the dread or the, or the, or the, the, you know, the, the element of dread that is there, like staring you in the face, wanting to tell you this is going to be a horrible deal because what Job dreaded came upon him. So we got to get rid of the dread and dreading things fixing that, that are going to happen and begin to see the tables turn. Because I'll just tell you this. If you learn to turn your dread to faith and confidence in God, I'm just telling you, why would there ever be any situation that ended up being what you thought you were going to dread if you went into the situation in faith and trust in God? And that didn't just happen because you say a couple things. It happens because you develop it. Amen? So, tonight, what we're looking at, starting with Psalm 34, I'm, I'm going to read that, and then I'm going to read the Job again. I wanted, I wanted to put it out there so you kind of know where we're going, because it, it's vital that you get a grip of this and get a hold of it. Psalm 34, 4. 
David said, I sought the Lord. The Lord heard me, and he delivered me of all my fears. And again, I made the, the point that David had a lot of fear. And God delivered him of all of it. That wasn't a one-time thing. He sought the Lord one time. David learned how to seek the Lord. And I'll just say this. On this side of the cross, and as a result of what Jesus and his blood accomplished for us, you and I have already been delivered of fear. Amen? Amen? We've been delivered of fear. So if we're set free of fear today... I'm not seeking the Lord for the Lord to deliver me of something he's already delivered me of. I'm seeking the Lord to be a recipient of what he's already accomplished. And I think that's really important. I, I think it's, it's vital that we understand it that way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just take a minute on that. And, and I want you to just meditate that. We're, we're not seeking the Lord, and then the Lord's deciding whether he's going to deliver you of fear. He's already delivered you of fear. See, we already have a world and a lifestyle that we can live in, and that's free from fear. That's why I've, t I've encouraged you to say this over and over again multiple times every day. I am free from all fear. Amen? If David sought the Lord, and in his seeking and developing his connection and his relationship with God, he was liberated from all fear, me too. Amen? And even that much more because I'm on this side of the cross and the blood of Jesus has already done that for me. So I'm receiving what he said is mine. That Job 3.25, I'll read that again. For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me. And I want to focus for a moment on the thing. Okay? Um, what thing did he fear? Well, he feared more than one thing. He feared the loss of his finances. He feared for the protection of his family. He feared um, for his future. He feared for a number of different, different things. But the thing is whatever the thing is that's attacking you, doing what? Trying to convince you that God doesn't have the ability to do what he said he could do. Can you say amen? We've said that, and I've said it over and over and over again. That's the root of all fear, trying to convince you that what you see, your present circumstance, what somebody's told you the way it's going to be, that present circumstance is more real than what God has promised you. And fear wants to grip you, hold you, and keep you down in that way. And, and, and keep you from ever being able to rise above the dread of life. Because I'll just tell you right now, you and I, every, all of us sitting here tonight, there's all kinds of things that you can dread today, tomorrow, next week, next month. I mean, you, could, you, can, you, know, you can really empower yourself in fear by you can start dreading things a year from now. So, uh, uh, somebody may say, you know, uh, you know, in two years this is going to happen. Oh, my gosh. No, no, we dread nothing. We fear nothing. We're afraid of nothing because Jesus delivered us from all fear in the name of Jesus. Amen? All fear. That's right. <clears throat> so, as we're looking at this, I want to I take a, 
take a step back in the book to Galatians to Genesis 3. And I just want to look at the first verse of Genesis 3. We're going to be reminded of these two verses we were just talking about, but I want, I want to step back into Genesis 3 and make a point about kind of in the beginning. Now, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, the serpent being Lucifer, being Satan himself, which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree in the garden? I mean, did God say, <laughs> You can have all the trees but one? Didn't he already say that? Yeah. And now he comes to drop a seed of doubt that is the beginnings of all fear. Right. Of all fear. Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You'll not surely die, for God knows that in that day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good from evil. Right? All this doubt, now this confusion setting in. And I'm telling you, every time you doubt things, every time confusion tries to set in in that, in that way or in that form, I promise you that the root of that, it's not necessarily directly fear, but the root of it is fear that God, it, God, didn't, God can't come through with what he said he would do. Exactly. Yeah, we were in our uh, women's Bible study this last spring, and Beth Moore was teaching on anxiety. And she defined it, and, you know, it, it describes a lot of the same words as fear. Ladies, do you remember fear and dread and panic and all those words? And she was making the point that it's a very old spirit, that it knows exactly what we're afraid of. You remember she said that it's been watching us, it's been following us, it's been learning all about us and mankind for all of these thousands of years. So he knows exactly what will get to you. And for Eve, even though she was a new creation, he was in heaven long enough to know that God's word was eternal. Yeah. So his opportunity to put that seed of doubt in her, he took it immediately. He took it immediately. And with her husband, wherever he was, not there, yeah. she listened to that doubt. And even today, we're listening to that doubt. And we don't even realize sometimes that it is doubt, it's a spirit of doubt that's questioning, will God do what he's saying? Will he keep his word? Is he faithful? Can you trust him? I mean, because that's at the bottom of when we're believing God, when we're standing on the word, that's really at the bottom of what we're dealing with. For me, you know, I think is true of most people. Yeah. And that's a good point, what you're saying there. And, and what you mentioned was that, that it's a spirit. Yeah. You know? And, and that, that's the next verse of Scripture I want to read yeah. in us kind of defining 
I want to read a couple of passages, and, and I want us to talk about this, because w when you get a hold of what she was just saying, right here. Yes, sorry. <laughs> when, 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 when you get a hold of the fact that fear is a spirit, you know, fear is not a person. It's not a person, per se. It's not somebody that's giving you a hard time. It's creating that. It, 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 it's, not a, it's not a thing. It's not even an event. Something, something that would happen that would create the fear. See, the, the, the thing that happened with Job, what came on him is what he dreaded over time. What he gave place to in his thought life. So, in 1 Timothy, or 2 Timothy, chapter 1, and we've read this a number of times, but in, in light of what we're talking about here, I want to read it again. Uh, 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear is a spirit, right? But what has he given us? He's given us a spirit of power, a spirit of love, a spirit of a sound and a well-balanced mind. So this battle, you know, where fear is concerned is not a person or an event or a thing or something in the natural realm. The battle where fear is concerned is in the spirit, yes. and it's, it's addressing it. to attach it to a thing or yes. a person. Yes. Like we do a lot of things when we say we don't battle with flesh and blood, we have a tendency to attach it to something or someone and not remember this, is a, this isn't a spiritual issue, but we have to renew our minds to that every day. Yeah. You know, and, and, it, and, it, you know the, and we've talked about in the last couple of months how that one of the things that fear does is it paralyzes yeah. you. You know, it shuts you down. And, and when, when you think of being afraid of the unknown. Let's say you get a new job and the unknown of that, you're, you know, you're thinking, oh, well, I need to get that new job, but I'm too afraid to take the job because I've never done it before and what, what if I fail? Anybody ever said, you know, what are people going to think if I don't do this right? Anybody ever said or felt like that, you know, uh, that like, I mean, some people, it's like they want to end their life if they make a mistake and, and, and they're so concerned about what other people think. Well, you're always going to be concerned about what people think. You're always going to be concerned and upset about situations that are going on if you don't develop that trust in God that David developed. David developed a trust and a knowing in God that delivered him of all fear. Wasn't instantaneous because yeah. that very chapter, the little introduction says he was so afraid of that king he acted like he was crazy. <laughs> he yeah. acted like a lunatic yeah. so that the king would be like, "Get the heck out of here, you nut!" Yeah, that's how scared he was yeah. that he acted crazy. Yeah. Now, that might work sometimes, but it's not going to actually <laughs> get rid of that spirit. <laughs> if we not... hear of someone going to the state hospital, I'm going to say, "What were they afraid of? Yeah. What was happening?" Yeah. It, you know, it, it might fix, it might get you out of a situation in the moment, but it's not going to fix the future. That's See, right. because we, we're not here to tolerate fear or to cope with it. We're here to get delivered totally of it. Amen? Run it out because it's a spirit. It's not a person. It's not a thing. It's not even a family member. It's not, you know, your uncle so-and-so or your aunt this or, what, or, or whoever. It's not people. 
It's a spirit. So if God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, then we don't have to receive that, but it's actually even more than not receiving it. We have a responsibility to reject it because it comes. We have a responsibility to take authority over it, and that's what I want to look at in, a, in, in another verse of Scripture that we've read also in the last couple of months in Ephesians chapter 6. In Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you're able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but what? <laughs> Principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. What are those? What he's saying is, my bat and we're talking about fear tonight. Our battle with fear is not in the natural. You will not win in the natural. Our battle with fear is in the spirit realm. In the spirit realm. In there as well. Yes. Say it again. It has to be one in the spirit realm as well. Yes. It can't be one in the flesh. It can't be one in your own strength. You have to go into the spirit with your own uh, revelation of what God is telling you because it depends on the situation. You know, I'm not going to be able to tell you how to get rid of fear in your life. You've got to let God tell you how to deal with that in the spirit yeah. for yourself. But it has to be in the spirit. Because everybody's life and everybody's yeah. set of circumstances is different. You know, yeah. you can't judge your life based on what it looks like happening in someone else. You'll be deceived. Right. The enemy will work on you, making you think. Other people got it together, and you don't because of something that you're battling with. I'm just telling you today, God, the Bible says, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Why? He's already delivered us. Amen? Amen? We do not have to tolerate this. So when we go back and think about that 2 Timothy 1.7 verse, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us the tools to deal with fear. Mm-hmm. What? Spirit of love, spirit of what is it? Power. Power and the spirit of a sound and a well-balanced mind, one translation says. That, that, that spirit of a sound and a well-balanced mind is the key. In other words, being able to bring every one of those thoughts of fear and dread into captivity. Another verse we're going to look at right after this. But that, but that being convinced that we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. People are not the issues. Events are not the issues. Situations are not the issues. Because if you focus there and you battle there, you will be convinced that God really can't do what he said he'll do. Because our battle is one in the spirit. Every single time. Amen? Amen. So, I want to go back, uh, 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 and you can put that on the screen. I want to go back to Psalm 34 in verse 4, and I want to read that in the Amplified, Psalm 34 and 4. It's kind of wordy because that's what the Amplified does, it amplifies. But he said, I saw it, this is David again, okay, so this is a little bit more detail of what David was doing. I saw it inquired of the Lord, 
and required him of necessity and on the authority of his word, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. See, if you go to God in fear, he doesn't hear that. He hears it on the authority of the word. God, you know, sometimes, well, I'll just say, I'll just say in my world, there was a lot taught in the world that I grew up in spiritually from about 18 years years old and up. There was a lot taught about prayer and connecting with God that had a lot to do with kind of yelling and screaming at God and begging God. You know, there was, there was things taught like that. And if you cried enough that God would feel bad for you or those kind of things. But the Bible's very clear that those that come to God must believe that he is and that he's the rewarder of those that seek him in that way. In other words, in other words, your head can be screaming and crying out that there's no way this is going to work, but out of the inside of you, you begin to declare the greatness of God. And that's how you overcome the fears that try to tell you God can't take care of your situation. We're talking about the God of, of the world. Do you remember our series that we did on the universe? I mean, on, on the stars and the heaven and all the planets. And I mean, I mean, it's staggering. I mean, what was the number of the stars in, in, in the galaxy, just in the one galaxy? 124 treptillion? Something like that? I mean, and God knows every time one of those 124 treptillion fall out of the sky. And he can't take care of our needs? There's a problem. And the problem is we've let what we see and hear and feel try to dictate how it's going to really, what, what's really going to happen in our lives. Circumstances are are one of our biggest issues that we, I mean, you know, the Bible talks about our training our senses. Uh, I'm not sure where that is, but you know what I'm saying. Um, Because those are the things, they're God-given, just like your emotions, but those are the things that want to tell you how to judge something. What you see, what you hear, what you feel, on and on. Mm -hmm. But they're good in just the natural realm. They're not good in spiritual things Mm -hmm. because they are natural things forces. Yes. They're not spiritual forces. Exactly. But that's exactly what the enemy uses to try to influence us, is what we see and what we feel. You know, you better pay your taxes or IRS is coming. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever it is, generational or circumstantial, it is not above the word, like he said, requiring you of your on your word. Mm. Something to that effect. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, and so we have to believe that that's how it actually works. Mm-hmm. You know, that it's in the sense realm. It's in our thought life yeah. that, that we are defeated. And, and you, you can't just hear something like we're saying tonight. You can't just hear this and then do nothing with it and, and just it just kind of fall out of the sky and work for you. You have mm-hmm. to put it to work. If we don't put it to work, if we don't, if we if we if we're not challenged to learn how to do that and bring those thoughts captive, then they stay there, they remain there, and actually they grow and they get bigger, and and they what they grow into is what what the Bible calls strongholds that become like a fortress in your soul to where it's like you can't overcome it, and yet God has already delivered us of all of it. 
He's already set us free. That's why we have to practice the word. David came before the Lord on the authority of the word. And when he came to him on the authority of that word, he knew that God heard him. Because when I come to God on the authority of his word, all I'm doing is reminding him of what he already said. Mm -hmm. Right? If he's delivered me and set me free, and I bring that before the Lord, I'm, I'm saying, God, you said I'm free. And what does God come back and say? Now, I want you to enforce yeah. what I said is so because it, I, I can't make, and listen, God can't. He set it up this way where he can't make it work. I mean, he can defy all the things that he said and set up. He can do whatever he wants to do. But he didn't set it up to come in when we didn't do what, we, what was right and just fix it all. No. no, he's not the fixer. He's the helper. Right. And he'll help us do everything that we're to do in life, but it's his plan, it's his word, it's his way of doing, and when we do it that way, there's no end to it. Yeah. And you have to be confident in your authority, because it's, it's a matter of authority when you're dealing in the Spirit, is knowing that you have that authority, knowing what Jesus said, that he gave us his name to take authority over those things, yes. that we have that we have that authority, we have that right, and so you have to learn that, you have to be confident in that, because it's not about, well, I'm just telling you, devil, no, no. It has to be in the name of Jesus, knowing that authority because of the blood, and on and on. Absolutely. But you have, to, you have to understand that that's the authority that you're working in, not your own. Absolutely. So, with that and what, what, what we've just been mentioning, I want you to look at 2 Corinthians 10, and I want us to just take a moment and, because when you, when you as we've been talking since, since mid-April on, on this subject, you have to take the information and put it to work. You have to apply it, because it won't just work. And if, if what we're saying tonight is true, if it is, and you have to determine whether it's true by you seeing it as it being so in the Word, mm -hmm. but if what we're saying is true, that our battle over fear is not in the natural, but it's in the Spirit, then how do we apply the Word that we're talking about tonight? What principles, because God, God's Word is full of principles, but they're spiritual principles that we have to put into, into work and into plan because our battle is not with flesh and blood, but it's against the principalities and powers of the spirit realm. So 2 Corinthians 10, and I encourage you to go read from the first of it and read even farther than what we're reading. We're just going to look at a couple of verses. But in light of what we've talked about tonight, weapons of our warfare, not, or, or the, I mean, uh, the... Our, that's what I'm fixing to read right now. <laughs> but our, our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a well-balanced well and a sound, well-balanced mind. That's what God has given us. So how do, we, how do we approach this attack against fear? How do we approach it? And, and to me, it's really clear. I'm, I'm going to read about three translations of these two verses. So just bear with me as we, as we look at this. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God. So they're not, you, you can't, you can't, you know, 
lock and load your pistol or your rifle and be shooting up devils, you know, or be shooting up situations, and it worked because the weapons that we battle against the enemy with are not natural weapons, right? They're, 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 he said for the, they're not carnal but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, li- listen to this in the Amplified Bible, these two verses. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they're mighty before God for the overthrow and the destruction of strongholds. Everybody say overthrow. overthrow. The overthrow and the destruction of strongholds inasmuch as we refute arguments. What is inasmuch saying? It's determined, what those strongholds come down and are removed, deter, the determining factor is, am I going to do something with what I hear? Right? He said, inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God, and we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ. Now, the obedience of Christ is into the obedience of what the Word says is true. Did you hear me? What the Word says is true. So what I want you to do right now, what all of us sitting in here tonight to do, is determine that you are going to spend time. I mean, the best way I do this, the way I put these thoughts and reasonings and arguments and all this stuff to flight is I ask God, God, what, what, what's happening in this situation where I feel like it's trying to get the best of me? What, what, what's happening here? What am I afraid of? S- asking, asking yourself, what am I afraid of? Absolutely. Because that's, that's the bottom line. What am I afraid of? Yeah. So thoughts come. Mm-hmm. Situ- in, in the midst of situations, thoughts come and, and arguments. See, the enemy will come and he will argue with you to the point that you're actually arguing with yourself. And, and kind of leaving the Word of God aside. We want the Word of God in the midst of it so that we bring those thoughts captive and we get rid of the thoughts because we replace that negative, fear-filled thought with what God says is so. That's why we've got to know the Word. Yes. It won't just work any other way. It's not going to just work by, you know, okay, I'm just going to keep my mind busy hearing yeah. all kinds of other things. No, and yeah. it won't just work sometimes. I mean, it's a very diligent, intentional um, battle plan, you could say, that you have to engage in. You, you can't just tell the devil to go away and then listen one time or then try and then take authority the next time. It's, a, it's an intentional um, assault that you are engaging in to, to completely tear down that thinking or whatever it is that's going on in your head about the circumstances yes. and overcome it. Oh. Because you can keep fighting, but that's not necessarily freedom, right? Continuing to fight doesn't mean you're free. Hmm. 
it means you're still engaging, mm-hmm. you know, and not that we'll ever get past some things, but there's a place where we can get that we're not continuing to fight, continuing to fight the same fight. Right. But it's very intentional. And, and, and I think that, I'm just going to stand for a second. I think that, that there's, there are like, the, the way it's worked in my life is that there are times and, and there's like levels of the victory that we get over it. You know, like she said, if I'm in a battle for something that's like attacked me, and, and I'm in a battle, man, I, I can be pacing the floors, speaking and declaring the word, praying in the spirit over times, trying, you know, asking God to show me, you know, because that's the question I ask God all the time. I told you that a while back. What am I afraid of? What am I afraid of in this situation that's like thinking it's going to get the best of me? Mm-hmm. So I do that for a while. But, but there's a place where we come to that when that thought comes, no. It's like, nuh-uh, I don't give in to that. I do not dread and I will not dread. And that's the things that I will say to a situation that I battled for a long time. I overcame that because I developed a routine daily of attacking that thing and letting it know. Letting, letting that, those arguments know I've got the argument from God or the word from God and it's the final say-so. And what the word says, that's what I'm believing. Can you say amen to that? Yeah. That's where we've got, we've got to battle and then come to that place where, you know, it's not that it, 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 it becomes easier. Nothing is simple with God. It becomes easier, but it's because of what you've maintained. Mm-hmm. David was delivered of all fear after he'd been so afraid. Yeah. He was afraid, you know, a number of different times. He talked about the fear that he was yeah. in, in, in different situations, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And, you know, just if you have kids, this is kind of like side note, but... It's never too early to start dealing with that in your children. And I know we, even what we knew better from where we came, as we were parents with kids, we didn't deal with things the way we should have, that we would today. Uh Parents and grandparents, I mean, the the very slightest sign, you know, of something, you need to get rid of it. You need to deal with it right then. Mm -hmm. Because it will do nothing but grow. It will do nothing but grow. And some, you know, they're so irrational sometimes. (laughs) <laughs> when, do y'all know that, sh- remember that mo- show, Dark Shadows? Anybody old enough? Why we were allowed to watch that is beyond me. But it was about vampires. It was like um, Twilight in the 70s, 60s. Much uglier people, scarier people, but... Barnabas Collins. Oh, that man Barnabas. actually just died not too long ago. Yeah. Barnabas Collins. So one of the things was when dogs barked at night, a vampire was coming. Well, dogs bark all night long, right? So as a kid, I started sleeping like this. As soon as I would hear a dog bark, I'd just start to freak out. Well, that's an irrational, you know how you feel like you cannot get out of the bed, you know something's under that bed? So irrational, but so real. I mean, you could wet the bed because you're not getting out of the bed. But then there's realistic stuff. You know, my, my mom's family lived in a little farmhouse on the highway, and these semis went up and down all the time, and, you know, dogs were hit constantly. Well, there was 14 grandkids, and to make a believer out of us to not go to the front of the house, every time a dog got strewn along the highway, they would drag us out there and grab the dog and be like, this is what's going to happen if you get on this highway. <laughs> traumatized, but I bet you one thing, you can ask any of my cousins, nobody went to the front of the house. 
unless you were getting in the car to leave. So, you know, that was more of a realistic, you know, what's going to happen if you get in front of a car. Right. But it doesn't matter if it's realistic or if it's not. To the kids, it's real, and you have got to nip it yeah. immediately. It's, it's real. It's fear. real. You know, ta- you know, like talking about the street, uh, the street. I mean, you know, w- when I was growing up, we were taught, you know, don't go in the street. You'll get hit by a car, and it'll run over you, and you'll die. That's what we were told. You will die. You know, well, you know, people can think in their natural mind, well, you know, that's, we're trying to protect our kids. Yeah, but you're putting fear on them. I mean, take them to the edge of the, you know, the the curb and explain to them about what a car is. You don't want to get in front of a car. It's big. That car can hurt you, you know, so you don't need to be out there. But there's ways to do it without just you know, stooping them in fear that something, you know, that they're going to die because of a car. car. A car wasn't created to kill people. Right. Right? Cars were not created to kill people. They were created to drive. So we don't have to be afraid if we teach our children about the angels of God and those right. kind of things, and we build that in them, then we don't have to teach them fear so that bad things won't happen. I think we confuse respect and fear sometimes. That's a good point. You know, respect the fact that it's a 2,000-pound hunk of metal, yeah. you know, but don't be afraid. Right. There's so many things mm-hmm. like that in yeah. life, you know, and, and, you know, I didn't get saved till I was eight, 18 years old, and so from that point on, those 18 years that I lived, and nobody in my family knew anything about God, and so we just, you know, you just, you live in a, in, in a survival mode, and you're, you don't realize you're living that way. That's, you're just living. You know, you're, you're living a life, and, it, and, and things that happen to you, they happen by default. This happened. This thing happened. Ugly thing happened. If something bad happened, then fear gripped your heart, and it didn't happen to you. One thing didn't happen to you, but it happened to your, your best friend, and yeah. something that, di- that didn't happen to him happened to you. And so everybody's got all these different kinds of fears that were just lodged on the inside of them. That's where we have to get for, uh, yeah. get free of it, and it was a spirit all along. Yes. You just think of it. Yep. Think of what a bully that the devil is oh, in yes. his demon forces to pick on yes. little bitty kids. Hmm? He's always That's a bully. what he does. He never stops. He never he shuts up. Ever. So. So. To stop what we're talking about, we have to bring the thoughts. I'm going to read these. The, the arguments, theories, reasonings, um, and proud and lofty things that set itself up against the true knowledge of God, we've got to bring those thoughts, ideas, that knowledge into a realm where the Word, you see it through the Word that the Word says none of that's true. Right. That's how you refute mm-hmm. and defeat that. No, 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 no. The Word says, God hasn't given me fear. I don't take you. I resist you. I let you know you have no place in my life. That dread about, you know, you, you may go to work the next day and there's something that's going to happen and you've got to go in to see the big boss at work or I don't, I don't know, just some example like that. And it's like you can't even sleep that night. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm telling you, when you... You have to bring those thoughts captive, and you have to speak to your body and your soul, and yep. you're going to tell yourself, we're sleeping tonight. We're going to sleep. And yep. if you don't sleep all night long, and, and, and it happens again, you practice it again. Yep. You stay with it until you get it. Because to stay up all night because you're dreading something that's going to happen, 
you're gonna, it's going to keep happening. That's where you have to practice by what? Not trying to force yourself to go to sleep. You're practicing it by bringing those thoughts that are trying to keep you awake into the obedience of what God says is true. And then God's word says, that's not true. And you start reminding yourself it's not true. And over time, you're renewing your mind with what God says is so. And all that other stuff goes. That's how David became yes. totally free from fear. Yes. He I mean, did he say God delivered him of all of his fears? Yeah, yeah. He, did. he had some fear. He had a boatload of fears. Crazy fear. But God, crazy fear. That's right. <laughs> crazy fear. But God delivered him. Can you say amen tonight? Amen. Um, so... As we close this tonight, um, I would encourage you, and and I know, you know, a lot of this is repetition of things that we've talked about, but you can't hear enough uh -uh. of this. You yeah. cannot hear enough of it. But I would really encourage you to take Second Corinthians ten, those say verse just start reading from verse 1 like through verse 10 in in second corinthians 10 and and i would i would really encourage you to really meditate on what he's saying about how to bring your thoughts captive and the importance of it and and the more you meditate on that because you have the holy spirit he will help you to see how that will, will relate to your life personally. Yeah, and you need to pray in the Spirit, too, because the Lord will give you, for you, what you need to speak. Yes. And if you don't do pray in the Spirit, you need to. Amen. Amen? Vital that you pray in the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, th that, that passage right there, but really take that Job 3.25 and think about the reverse of what that's saying. The things that he feared and the things that he dreaded came upon him. But what David did was the reverse of what Job did. Mm -hmm. See? Yeah. And Job got it over time. He mm -hmm. got it because yeah. he wouldn't have been doubled if he'd have stayed mm -hmm. stooped in fear. Just, it, it didn't happen that way. You don't, you don't stay in fear and, well, well, you know, we tried with this guy, but he's just going to be fearful all the rest of his life. Just bless him, you know. I mean, it, it, it doesn't, God, God's not doing that. He's not up there like a puppet on a string maneuvering things. He's already done it all. Yes. Amen? What he's trying to convince us of, of is that the key that unlocks the door for each one of us individually is us really believing him. Yes. I heard God say this yesterday to me, and I, I think I've said it to a few people. But I, I just heard God say this to me. Bert, and, 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 and I, this is the way God talks to me. But the first John 4, 4 verse, it says, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. He said, he just said this to me, just trust who's in you. Mm -hmm. In other that's words, good. I heard it like this, trust the God that's in you. Greater is he that's in me, that's in me. Mm -hmm. Not just the God of, that we talk about in the Bible. I'm talking about the God that's in you. Trust him. Know that what he said he's going to do, he'll do. Yes. Trust him. Yeah. Amen. Trust him with all your heart, with everything in there, and watch what will evolve and what will happen. And take, but take that Job 3.25 and look at it from the reverse, that fear and dread 
will, will cause things that you don't want to happen to happen. The, uh, if, you, if you reverse that yeah. and you seek the Lord and you trust the God that's in you, you put the word to work like it says in 2 Corinthians 10 right here. You put the word to work that way and bring those thoughts and ideas and theories and arguments and all those things to flight by replacing those thoughts and ideas with the word of God. Then fear and dread are gone. And you don't ever have to dread another day in your life. That's right. I, I honestly, we can say today, we honestly do not dread another thing. I didn't say dread doesn't come. Right. No, no, no. I didn't say that. But it's like I've let, no, no, this is not doing it. And you know what? You know what you do? You get up from a situation. You don't sit there and take it. You get up from the situation and you do the opposite of what dr fear and dread tell you to do. Whatever fear and dread saying to you, you know, oh, you better back off. You better not go. No, no, I'm, I'm doing it. Oh, don't call that person. No, I'm calling. No, 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 don't go over there. Don't, don't help that. No, go, go help them. Go do it. No, 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 don't dread a thing. I'm just saying today, I'm never dreading another day in my life. Ever. I refuse to tolerate dread. Because all it'll do is produce ugly things, and then I don't have a testimony to tell other people how good it is to trust the God that's in you. Because yeah. you can't trust the God in you when you're dreading. You know, sometimes that point you made about trusting God in you, that's like the first thing you might have to conquer. It may not be the actual situation. It may be the fact that I, I'm not able to trust God just yet. So let me deal with that fear of God's lack of faithfulness or that God's not going to do it for me. Or we, we sometimes have to conquer that one first before we go to what is actually bothering us. Does that make sense? You know, because yeah. if you don't settle in yourself that God's word is true, that he means what he says, he's faithful to his word, then it doesn't matter what the circumstances are, you're still struggling with that. Yeah. You have to settle that in you. And it's an ongoing thing. I mean, don't anybody feel like we're up here, Mr. and Miss Perfect, because we're not. It's, a, it's well, I, I said this to the ladies this last Bible study, you know, every time that I have to fly, I just say, I love getting in a little cylinder and going 30,000 feet in the air with a limited amount of oxygen with all those people breathing the same air as me. I love that. I just love it. I mean, you can see what I'm, you can hear what I'm saying. So, I mean, it's an, it's an ongoing thing, line by line, faith, by, faith to faith. You know, it's, it's not a one-time deal. So don't expect to walk out of here and the first thing that comes at you, okay, done. It's not. It's a work. It's a work. It's a work. Yeah. And the enemy comes immediately to steal what's been sown. And the other thing you say is that the law of lift and thrust is in operation. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah. And all the people around me are like, what did she say? What did she say? <laughs> What'd she say? If they're not doing this. And, you know, one lady, bless her heart, I was struggling with anxiety in the moment myself. Had my hand here, like, breathing through my nose. And this woman over here is freaking out. I thought I was bad. No, this, she's crying. She's holding the thing. She's, you know, I mean, out loud. She's freaking out. So I thought, well, I'm just going to sew right now. And I just reached over and I was saying, put your hand right here. Did you see what I was just doing? Do that, you know. And bless her heart, I mean, she barely got through the flight. I was about ready to order her a cocktail because she was not listening to me. <laughs> <laughs> when the word doesn't work, go to a cocktail. Yeah. 
I've considered it, let me tell you. <laughs> Besides that. But yes, I mean, you get your confession down so that you know That's right. what the word says about that situation. Yes, the law lift and thrust works every time I... And those people on that plane are blessed when I'm on there. Absolutely. I'm telling you, they're, it's bl they're blessed that we're on those planes. Yes. When we get on those or planes. wherever you are. Yeah, exactly. But, and, and just to end with this, um, sometimes you have to, and, I, and I, I tell, I've tell, told my girls this when they were growing up and things, I, I tell them all the time, that you have to, you, you have to, sometimes work from a worst case scenario that's trying to lie to you and tell you that it, something isn't going to work out and look at that situation and tell yourself, okay? So say you're believing God for a job or something and, and, and you're afraid of it or there's fear gripping your heart or whatever. So ask yourself, okay, so what if I don't get the job? What if I don't get the job? And, and sometimes, like she said, You've got to deal with some of the elements of what is causing all the problem. You've got to realize, it's like asking God, what am I afraid of, okay? If I don't get that job, I mean, is, is, should I end my life because I'm not going to get that job? I mean, people think that way. And where does that come from? From fear, from the devil. So you've got to ask yourself, okay, so what if I don't get the job? Can God not get me another job? If that, and, and, and if I didn't get that job, good, good uh chance that, that I didn't even need that job. You know what I'm saying? But we can get things like that built up so much in our head and, and try to wear us out that, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to trust God and not be afraid of what if. <laughs> get rid of those what ifs is what I'm saying. Amen? So tonight, as you just embrace the things that we've said, I promise you, that God is doing a work in you. Many of you have been coming to every one of these. If you haven't come, they're all online. You can go back and listen to every one of them. But, but God is doing an amazing work in you, and fear has no place. And I'm telling you, when, when you're not ruled by fear, the sky is the limit. There's no end to what God can do in your life. And we believe that for you. We pray that over you every single day. Believe that for you and in your life. Amen?